Town Bank Mortgage. NMLS number 512138 is an equal housing lender. This podcast is for informational purposes only. And now, the man born with a 5 o'clock shadow and with the NMLS number 2028201. He is a gentleman. He is a scholar. He is... Tyler Crawley. Man, that was embarrassing. (laughs) Welcome, everyone, to the Thursday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am the aforementioned host... Tyler Crawley, and last show of the week, we do not do a Friday show, uh, just because I don't feel like it. <laughs> I don't know, we might do one tomorrow, because there is a lot going to be happening tomorrow. We got the big jobs report on Friday, as well as um, the debt ceiling debate. So that passed the House. So that's the good news. Let's start there. That passed the House on a pretty overwhelming vote. Uh, I mean, there was some concern that maybe there would be the votes or not. Uh, I thought they had the votes because, as I mentioned yesterday, when you see not only, you know, both far right and far left, but people who may be more moderate, like the example I used was Nancy Mace. So Nancy Mace, I think, is in the first district of South Carolina. Uh, She's definitely a right winger, but she's not like Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor Greene type far right. So she's far right, or I don't say far right, but she's conservative, but she also at some times will buck some conservative ideas. Like when they're like, oh, we should shut down the government or I don't know, whatever argument they're making. So she is always at risk of, of being primaried from the right. And she came out strongly against the debt ceiling uh, agreement and I thought, hmm. Well, if McCarthy is telling her it's okay to do that, because that's what happens, right? Just just so everyone knows, I'll I'll pull the curtain back here. When someone is coming out like that, it's not because like oh they're so ideological and they're so you know it's because the leadership gave them the tap on the shoulder and was like we don't need your vote, <laughs> so go ahead and say whatever you want. And so someone like Nancy Mace, who could be primary from the right, for her to be able to come out against the debt ceiling. Uh, which a lot of, uh, you know, f- far right people, or, and like I said, even on the far left, this is happening. She could get primaried from that side. And so the fact that she was given the green light to go ahead and, and, and say she was against it, to me, they had the votes. And no doubt about that, uh, the debt deal will now move to the Senate after a 314 to 117 bipartisan vote. So that was pretty overwhelming. So I'm going to assume that the votes are there in the Senate as well. Mitch McConnell has come out for it. I'm not sure if Schumer has come out for it. But uh, this is important because the U.S. needs to not default. Whatever you think about spending and everything in this country, and I'm with you on that one, um, from a real estate perspective, looking at mortgage rates, if the U.S. were to default, uh, I mean, mortgage rates would skyrocket. Uh, it would, it would, it would, cr- it wouldn't crash housing. It would crash the housing industry, uh, mortgage industry, real estate. I mean, who would buy a house if mortgage rates spiked at like fifteen percent? I mean, no one. They're not. And if you do, um, 
it would have to be out of some necessity. It would just, it would wreak havoc on our economy. So just from the perspective of stability, you kind of want to see this thing move forward. And so it was good to see such a overwhelmingly bipartisan vote. And this will now go to the Senate. And like I said, the 10 year, this morning I woke up, I was thinking, oh, well, overnight, we're going to see some positive movement from the 10 year. And of course, positive movement, I mean, yield is falling because of course the 30 year fixed rate is tied um, or, you know, kind of moves in tandem with the 10 year treasury. And this morning I wake up and the 10 year was actually up four basis points overnight at, you know, 6 a.m. when I sent my newsletter out and I said, what is going on? Like, what? Why is that happening? Well, now I'm looking at it and the 10 year fell under 3.6 for the first time since mid May. So here we are starting June and the 10 year has now fallen to a level we haven't seen in two to three weeks. That is good news. That is great news. And what's weird to me is we got two more data points about the labor market that I actually thought were going to be negative in that we could see the 10 year yield move, keep moving up. And for some reason it's not <laughs> sometimes I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I have a grasp of economics and I understand why things do what they do. But right now this economy just throw me for a loop. So, okay, before we get to today's data, let's talk about what happened yesterday. So we got the JOLTS report. That is job openings, the job opening labor turnover survey looks at, of course, how many job openings there are, how many quits there have been, how many um, layoffs, how many people have been fired. It, it's a very important report because job openings are a good indicator of how tight or loose the labor market is. If you're seeing a ton of job openings, that means that businesses are trying to hire and they can't, which could be a sign that labor market is very, very tight. And we've seen this with the JOLTS report. Surprisingly, it's been over 10 million for a long time. Finally, I think it was three months ago, it fell under 10 million. And then yesterday, that <laughs> we get the report, the job openings are back over 10 million again. The number of job openings edged up to 10.1 million on the last business day of April. That is up from the 9.7 million that we saw in March and now the highest level since January. <laughs> Job openings increased in retail trade, 209,000, healthcare and social assistance up 80, 185,000 and transportation warehouse and utilities up 154,000. Economists had actually projected that they were going to fall to 9.37 million. So kind of a big miss there. I mean, we're almost, they're almost off by a million. I mean, not exactly, but they were close. I'm rounding up. Uh, here's where it gets interesting, though. Because once again, you've got to look at the whole report. So the top line number, you're thinking, oh, God, this is the labor market continues to remain tight. We're going to see more rate hikes. We have to. The, you, you just can't have a labor market this, this hot and not then expect to have inflation continue at the elevated level. But here's where it gets interesting. So separations, the number of total separations actually decreased to 5.7 million, dropping by just over 250,000. And the rate was a little changed at about 3.7%. But here's what's interesting. Y'all remember the great resignation? That was, that was the argument that was being made kind of as we came out of the pandemic. All these people were quitting their jobs. They were going to other better paying jobs or just jobs that they wanted more, mostly pay. 
And that was creating or increasing labor costs even more. So not only are you trying to keep your employees, but you're trying to win employees from other businesses. So you're gonna have to pay them more. And they're calling it the great resignation, but slowly the quits have been falling. And so if you look at every report, it's always like a eh, little movement, but the little movement has always been down, down a little bit more, down a little bit more. So even though this report said that quits didn't change all that much, it was still at 3.8 million. And that's 2.4%, which is almost, I mean, just barely away from the same rate that we saw pre-pandemic. So there's really only two takeaways. Either one, the labor market is loosening up and maybe there's, I don't say a miscalculation with the job openings, but maybe some of these job openings aren't real openings. <laughs> and then people are just putting jobs out there or you know, whatever the argument is. Or the labor market was tighter back in 2019 and 2018 than we thought. But what this is telling us is that the labor market is now moving out of that super hot area that we were after the pandemic and we're returning to a more normal labor market, at least with regards to people aren't as confident that they can just quit their job and go find another one, clearly due to the fact that we're back to where we were in 2019. Now, once again, maybe maybe 2019 was hotter than we remember, but it seems like that's a very important part of the report that a lot of people were commenting on. It wasn't like I was the only one that saw this. Uh, the number and rate of layoffs and discharges decreased to 1.6 million and uh, at a rate of 1% respectively. Now, Jason Furman, former White House economic advisor, argues that the labor market does remain tight, saying, I'm not wedded to any particular theory or measure. So would incorporate all and say labor market remains tight. At least no measure shows that they are looser than 2019 and they may even be have been tight then so not a lot to rest your disinflationary hopes on so we're still seeing a tight labor market now you tie that in to what we got this morning and it's a little what's the word i'm looking for here it's a little I don't know. What's the word <laughs> I'm trying to think of? It's like bursting your bubble because we were hoping that we were finally seeing signs of a loosening labor market. And so we get job openings jumping back over 10 million. And then this morning we get ADP. Now ADP, <laughs> it's, I don't know. Um, it doesn't carry a lot of weight. You know, they, they re- configured their calculations for how they were to, to get this number last year after a lot of bad reports that had to be revised. And so ADP is kind of like, I don't know, it, 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 it matters, but it doesn't at the same time. So here's what ADP said. For the month of May, they had private payrolls. So they just look at private payrolls, not government. Private payrolls jumping 278,000. Now, economists were projecting 175,000. So that is significantly hotter than what economists were projecting. And it's the second biggest report of the year. So April was actually the biggest, 291,000. This is 278. And if you remember last month, ADP was hotter than expected. The monthly jobs report was hotter than expected. Uh, now, it should be noted that what's interesting about the ADP report 
is that most of, I mean, pretty much all those job gains are coming from leisure and hospitality, at least in the service providing sector. We saw a big drop, 35,000 in financial activities, 29,000 education and health services. Uh, We saw 15,000 fewer in information, but we did see a big jump up in natural resources and mining up almost 100,000. But then we saw a almost 50,000 drop in manufacturing. So some people will look at this and go, oh, look, leisure and hospitality is creating all of the jobs. Those aren't high paying jobs. Those aren't as good as some of these other sectors. So maybe the jobs report is a little misleading and that you could make that argument. And I don't think that's a, a, a invalid argument, but it's important to remember that leisure and hospitality is still, I think the only sector that is not fully recovered from the pandemic. So it makes sense that that's still the sector that's going to be creating most of the jobs. And because there's such a tight labor market, uh, they're not as low paying as they used to be. <laughs> so some of the wages for some of these leisure and hospitality jobs uh, are much better than maybe people remember. So it is Thursday. So we also got more labor market data, uh, initial jobless claims. So initial jobless claims, which have been trending up if you look at the data. It's been trending up. They also um, had a revision to their calculations. And then ever since then, we've seen things sort of trend Upward this week was no different. Initial claims increased by 2,000 to 232,000. I mean, nothing crazy. We're still kind of trending in this area of around 200 to 250,000. Continuing claims, uh, they increased by 6,000, not a big increase to about 1.79 million. So So jobless claims really isn't giving us anything. You know, it's kind of just sort of trending up a little bit, but nothing too crazy. ADP, big, big report. On top of the big job openings report. And people are feeling like, uh uh-oh, tomorrow's jobs report (laughs) might show another big number, which will continue to keep the labor market hot, which means that if we do get that pause at the June Fed meeting, it may be temporary that we may see another rate hike. And if it's hot enough, I guess, I mean, if we had like some 500,000 number, 400,000 crazy number, I guess the Fed could raise rates again in June and not pause, despite the arguments that they were going to take a little breather. If that comes in too hot, with that PCE report that we got last week, I mean, their hands would be kind of tied. They would kind of half to move forward on that. So a little disappointing this morning, but like I said, the 10 years, you know, moving in kind of positive direction, hovering right around 3.6% before the open. So let's hope that continues. That's on the debt ceiling, obviously, which of course, once again, goes to the Senate today. Uh, And then real quick here, before we go, we got our weekly Mortgage demand report from the Mortgage Bankers Association. We talked about it a little bit yesterday. Purchase index fallen 3%, now down 31% year over year. Refis down 7% week over week, now down almost 50% year over year. The entire index was down 3.7%. And what's a little troubling is that this is now the lowest level in three months. And why? Well, rates. 
I mean, the 10 years been jumping, mortgage rates are up this last month, a lot of it because of what's happening with the debt ceiling. And yeah, I mean, we're in a very, very rate sensitive environment. So when people start seeing that seven handle, they start seeing it on the news, we're moving back to 7%, they go, whoa, maybe I'll wait to buy a house. And so the fact that we are seeing some positive movement from the 10 year is good news, but we really got to see this debt ceiling thing follow through. Uh, and speaking of rates, the average contract interest rate, according to the Mortgage Bankers Association, jumped 22 basis points to 6.91% last week. That's why you saw Mortgage News Daily, I think at the end of last week, had rates over 7. So they have it at 6.91. That's the highest level since early November of 2022. Not great. The 15-year jumped 26 bips to 6.41%. Mike Frantantoni, the chief economist at the Mortgage Bankers Association, said mortgage rates for conforming balance 30-year loans were being quoted above 7% by some lenders. Application volumes for both purchase and refinance loans decreased last week due to these higher rates, while refinance demand is almost entirely driven by the level of rates. Purchase volume continues to be constrained by the lack of homes on the market. I mean, yeah, it really is a very fascinating time. I mean, we have higher rates, true, but also very little inventory, which is having this sort of bizarre impact where, sure, demand is down, but supply might be down more. (laughs) So prices are not falling by anywhere near the levels that some people had projected, say, six months ago when home prices started to fall month over month. They thought we were going to see a much bigger decline in home prices. Little do they know, inventory was going to be a much bigger factor. So today we got construction data. We'll be talking about that uh, on Monday because no show tomorrow. And then, of course, Friday, big jobs report. Now, what was the number? Hold on, I'm going to pull up. I forgot. What is the number that we are looking for? I probably should have that in front of me. I do not. Well, I only have what's happening today, and that's construction data, which is supposed to be up 0.2%. We'll also get mortgage rate data. Probably not going to be great today from Freddie Mac (laughs) at noon. Um, But Friday, we're looking for 195,000. That's what's being projected by economists. So we will see. (laughs) Monday, and then we, so in Friday, we could see. A, a job we're going to get, well, obviously we're going to get a jobs report. And I, I, I guess they're going to vote in the Senate. I guess it would be Friday. I mean, I don't, I'm trying to, I can't remember the rules. I, mean, I think there's like a 24 hour rule. So if they got it last night, I guess maybe they could do it tonight. Is it 24 or 48? I can't remember. Probably Friday is when the Senate will vote on the debt ceiling deal. So Friday could be big for, for rates. I will say that much. All right, we got to go. You guys enjoy your Thursday. Enjoy your weekend. And we'll be back here Monday morning for another edition of Markets and Mortgages. And remember, as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait. Wait.